1: This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein. We've got the boats and screw the rest of you, and Dr. Kavita Patel.
2: These might be some of the smaller moments, you know, with all the bombshells didn't catch people's eyes. Welcome to Words Matter a DSR Network podcast. I'm your host, Kavita Patel, and I have an amazing co-host, Norm Ornstein, and we have a special combo, members, public, we call it the all-access, everything you did and did not need to know about the Trump indictment uh, when we were planning this show. So we hope you'll think it's as special as I certainly do, because I am leaning heavily on my incredible co host I have spent, maybe as many of you have, uh, basically since the indictment came out, what seems like a blur of 72 hours, watching and listening to every media person comment. And I have to confess, Norm, I kind of walked away more confused than when I started. When the indictment came out and I hadn't read through it, I thought, this is pretty straightforward. And then all of a sudden, you know, First Amendment, just the flurry of what I'll call misinformation, which got attention on the media, and and it left a, a, a humble person like me a bit of a loss so <laughs> i'm i am leaning heavily on you norm do you mind first of all welcome and i hope you also have been getting some rest between your your debate camp so we'll get an update on that before before the uh time is over and i am, i'm assuming you were doing what i did or you're just like watching tv twitter whatever radio yeah and i'm going to ask you to give our listeners some viewers, a summary. And, and I mean, not the summary that I've been hearing over and over on MSNBC and are the indictments and here's, here's what stuck out to me, but a summary of kind of the narrative of what's happened and maybe a little bit of what you expect to happen, which I know a lot of folks are forecasting, um, but I know you probably have uh, your own opinion.
1: So let's start with a couple of things, Kavita. First is what I would say is Jack Smith's strategy here. He did not bring a charge of seditious conspiracy. And we can remember that many members of Oath Keepers Proud Boys were charged with and convicted of seditious conspiracy, sentenced to, in some cases, 18 years in prison. It is as serious a charge as one can imagine. But to prove that, you've got to prove a direct connection in a conspiracy with the others who were involved with seditious conspiracy. And that gets complicated. What Jack Smith wanted to do was strip this down to the most powerful cases that could be made against Trump and proven beyond a reasonable doubt uh, with a jury. And he also did not want to confound matters or complicate matters by at the same time indicting the others who were engaged in a conspiracy with him. So we have in this indictment um, unindicted co-conspirators, six of them. We now know pretty much who they are. They include the likes of Rudy Giuliani and Boris Epstein, uh, it now appears. Um, Some of them are going to be indicted separately. Why? Because you want to move to get this trial as expeditiously as possible, not to bring in another army of lawyers, not to have complications that could delay matters for a significant period of time. And this is also a signal with a trial that is likely to move fairly quickly, probably by the spring. Uh, Probably the first big trial in these charges against uh, Trump with New York, that I think will now defer, with uh, Florida, um, which we can talk about just a bit in a minute, and then with Georgia, which is coming very, very soon, sometime uh, likely in the middle of this month. Uh, And it involves still the most serious elements here, an attempt knowingly, knowing that you have lost, to overturn an election. Now, what we know here is that these are targeted charges using statutes, including one that does go back to the post-Civil War era, but that have been used frequently in the past in these kinds of charges. Now, we know that this is a First Amendment issue, as you mentioned, or there is a First Amendment question. People can say hey, the election uh, was rigged, the election was stolen. That, even for a president, you could argue, is covered under the First Amendment. But that's not what's in the charge here. And in the indictment, it uh, bends over backwards to say, of course, words are protected. Actions that follow from words are not. And what we see in this indictment is a couple of things that are related there is, uh, you know, the legal term is mens rea. What is your state of mind? So if Donald Trump could make a case that he genuinely believed that the election was stolen, some of his actions might get a pass, not all of them. But what's in this indictment is that the people he relied on, the people he trusted, the people who knew the most, told him over and over and over and over again that he had lost the election. Mm -hmm. In the indictment, it is clear several people testified that Trump himself acknowledged he had lost the election. So he has no defense here that this was an honest belief that something had gone wrong in the election. And at the same time, we know that even starting before the election from the indictment, And with what we have seen in the aftermath, what we saw leading up to January 6th, what we saw on January 6th, and importantly, even what happened afterwards, was that this was an effort to overthrow the election results, to overthrow the government. And we also have some powerful testimony, some of which we had seen with the January 6th committee, that the people around Mike Pence believed. That this was a direct threat to his life, something that had been encouraged by Donald Trump. I would just say one tweet that I uh, did yesterday. I didn't tweet on Tuesday uh, because uh, Mark Hamill said we should all refrain from tweeting on August first, and it was uh, I took enormous self restraint given everything else for me to do that. But I said, <laughs> if I say this person should not uh, does not belong on the face of the earth that's protected by the First Amendment. If I call a hitman, eh, not so much. And what we have here is Donald Trump saying things that are protected, then acting in ways that violate the law, violate the Constitution, violate every norm of behavior. And what we see from his lickspittles who are trying to defend him, starting with lickspittle number one, Lindsey Graham, going to lickspittle number two, Ted Cruz, and continuing down the line from Tom Cotton uh, to a variety of figures on the media, including Hugh Hewitt and Jonathan Turley, is a bunch of nonsense and smoke that has nothing to do with the reality of what occurred. They're trying to make this a First Amendment issue, not an issue of somebody who incited a violent insurrection that resulted in deaths and could have resulted in the loss of the American constitutional system.
2: Well, so uh, can you just, uh, something you started with about Jack Smith and wanting to but here's my layperson's interpretation kind of make the charges stick i i, I essentially am yeah. kind of reading that's and that's what i've gathered um it's it's interesting so do you think that like Fannie, do you think the other prosecutors are because we, we've heard criticisms like you know what's taking so long my god how much do you need is this really what they're trying to do and and then do you have any sense norm i've always been fascinated by this um what if you have a chance to give our listeners kind of what's probably happening behind the scenes, I mean, I know that like Jack Smith's not calling fan, you know, they're not all coordinating, obviously. No, um, no. So, but I feel like we're seeing this very focused, almost, I, I wanted to say what it reminded me of is a little bit of Merrick Garland. You know, we criticized Merrick Garland, like, why aren't you coming out of the gates, swinging, you know, being a bull in a china shop? And you could tell, and I think you said this on this pod, that this is methodical, they're trying and... And they're just making sure every duck is in a row. And is that, you know, if you were to kind of channel what you think is likely happening kind of in that special prosecutor's office, is that the command to the team? And do you suspect that that's exactly what we're going to see um, in the other charges? Is that level of, we need this to be airtight. <laughs> and and then I'm going to ask you, and this is more of me just interviewing you, Norm, so I'm sorry. But I, I then want to ask you, there's been all this speculation because of the federal, because of the judge, and you know, would would we likely see a court and trial date and potentially a sentence before the election? I have always skeptically, no matter where the jurisdiction, felt like no. I just don't think it's going to happen. We're going to see an election before we see any any actual trial or any sort of of, of sentencing. But I'd love to hear your take. So, so yeah, number one, take us behind like what you suspect is happening with special prosecutor's office and what this means for the others, um, if there's some similarities. And then what do you think? Well, everybody's asking, like what happens now before the election?
1: So uh, first, let me say, I've taken a lot of criticism from people for not going after Merrick Garland. I know.
2: You have. You have. You are the only one. (laughs) You are literally the only Uh, one.
1: (laughs) And, you know, admittedly, uh, Merrick Garland is a friend. There are other friends I have criticized harshly, so it's not just that. Um, I would say I wish that the uh, independent counsel, special prosecutor, had been picked earlier. Uh I think very soon after uh, the conclusion of the January 6th uh, committee hearings, there was an opening to pick one. But people make the mistake of believing that nothing was done until Jack Smith was picked, and then he just did all the work. Now, of course, when Jack Smith came on, the body of investigative work surrounding this yeah had already been done by career people in the Justice Department the Justice Department wasn't just sitting there and of course we also know that we've had hundreds and hundreds of people already tried and convicted of their actions on January 6th right but it would have I still believe it would have been better to have picked the the uh Jack Smith earlier now having said that, It is a reality that if you are going to bring charges against a former president, you don't want to do it before you have every duck in a row, every fact pattern established, and just as importantly, every witness who can corroborate the charges that you're making, who might be willing to uh, cooperate in the face of their own culpability in line. And the fact is, many of these witnesses, including Mark Meadows, for example, would not have been there if these charges had been brought eight months ago, or a year ago, or even six months ago. Now, I think it would be extraordinarily dangerous if we had no trials on these critical matters before the election. Okay, Um, And that's in part because the uh, Trump media, now Fox getting behind him as well, and all of the others, plus all of the lickspittles, some of whom I mentioned, it's really become my favorite it word. It really is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is it is such a perfect <laughs> description of these horrible people. Um I didn't mention Mike Lee. I have to include him as well. Oh, the
2: list is longer Um, than that, but we just don't have time. Oh, yeah. We could could have an
1: entire uh, podcast or two just mentioning the names. We we
2: should do that. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, they'll be out there in full force throughout the course of this campaign convincing voters that there's nothing to see there. Of course, you know, one of the themes that I see from the Mike Lees and others and, and Ted Cruz's is, This is old news. It was all there in the January 6th report. That doesn't make it any uh, less uh, 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 distressing and horrible at what Donald Trump did. So I want the trial. And this is an important trial. And we have, fortunately, through the luck of the draw, a no-nonsense judge who is likely to try and make this a speedy trial, who is going to uh, not take some of the uh, deflections that Trump's lawyers are likely to do. They want to call in people. Uh, They're likely to focus on these charges. If I had to guess, my guess is that we'll have a trial starting perhaps in March, um, which is a pretty expedited schedule and probably lasting six weeks or so. I am hoping it's unlikely that this will be televised, which is unfortunate. I am hoping that the judge will at least allow audio, but even without that, I think it'll be impossible for media outlets, including some of the Trumpist ones, to avoid all of this, and I think the evidence as it emerges in that case, most people just haven't paid a lot of attention to it, will be very powerful and will make it clear that what Donald Trump did is absolutely unprecedented in the history of the country. And he is a clear and present danger to our future, and he cannot be elected again as president. That's uh, and this trial needs to bring him to the bar of justice for what he did. Now, having you know, I've seen some of the. Well, they didn't uh, charge him with conspici- uh with uh, seditious conspiracy because uh, they didn't have the goods on him with the Proud Boys, just like the collusion in 2016, where in a big public setting. He said, Russia, if you're listening, find those emails from Hillary Clinton. And we know immediately the Russians hacked into those emails. In that first debate in 2020, Donald Trump said, Proud Boys, stand by and stand up, were words to that effect, which was, we know from what the Proud Boys said, a message to them, be ready to riot so he's you don't have to charge him with seditious conspiracy to know that he was a part of it
2: and and I think this is where I I, I also have been kind of flabbergasted by the you gave a perfect example it's one thing to say like oh you know that person ought to that person ought to die and and sadly you and I would never say things like that and we also even on Trump would never want to wish that and sadly he can make these statements as a former president and somehow that's okay but it's a whole other thing to do that plus what he did which is to as your point very publicly and now with I mean what I did think was effective to your point about the court trial not being aired on television um is the court proceedings of any kind being on television is that the January 6th committee as you and I have spoken about like did such a brilliant job and I I think you know our friend David Rothkopf I think almost unanimously across the board because of the ability to have all of the witnesses and surface the evidence and, you know, countless people who if we hadn't seen them on television or candidly, it wouldn't have had that same weight of, of the moment of like kind of recreating like what was happening kind of in the oval and kind of around the oval and the scenes and the texts. And, and then that was, and then the qual I hate to say it this way, but the quality of that production, which I know was like on a par with like a Hollywood film. And I think you may have said something like they got a professional kind of director, but you know, just it, that's how people consume information. We're doing this on video and podcasts because this is how people consume information. And sadly, nobody is consuming. I don't even know how to point to where to find the truth. So the only truth then is the primary source, right? Go straight back to the source. And we're not going to have that opportunity. And so I fear, again, in the spirit of, okay, we have to see this tried before um, uh, the election, There could be I've even played out the game scenarios like would Biden pardon Trump, all that we can for maybe you'll wish you can opine on that. But I'm more concerned that we will see, um, you know, kind of Trump's lawyers will pull all the antics that they want to. But it is it is going to be very hard to tell me if I'm wrong, even with what seems like an airtight case. The same feeling you had about Jack Smith not wanting to take anything unless it was 100 percent. I mean, I think the popula- the public is going to feel that way. And so is this somebody that can actually get not even a fair trial? How, how do you get a jury? I mean, I'm-, I'm actually just confused and wondered, like, how does this work? How do you find a jury for this? Like, what do you, what do you, I- I'm, and I'm being serious. <laughs> like, what are they yeah. going to do? A- and nobody has spoken about, I asked Neil Katyal, cause he's been on MSNBC like all day. And I, and I'm like, Nobody is explaining does an actual trial going to work, <laughs> and do you have yeah. any instinct or inclination?
1: Well, look, I, I think uh, given just what I've seen in this indictment, yeah. that the best that Donald Trump could hope for is a hung jury.
2: Oh, for sure! Sh- oh my God, I think that's a that's a win for him. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a win for him. But that's because mm-hmm. even in the District of Columbia. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a jury pool mm-hmm. that will include some people who think, uh, as we now know from the latest New York Times-Siena poll, um, Republicans who think that Trump did nothing wrong, that uh, this is all uh, just a bunch of nonsense, or others who say even if he did, he uh, you know, could shoot somebody in broad daylight on Fifth Avenue, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's possible. And I think what you're going to see with the Trump lawyers is... Their biggest hope is not to make a case that would get him acquitted. It is to try and find a juror or two who they are pretty convinced um, will be on their side. Um, And I have to say, you know, we know that uh, uh, the judge and probably the jurors, uh, uh, you have a judge who's going to be very careful to maintain their anonymity but you know, there are going to be death threats. Uh, there are going to be threats of violence. All of that will take place. Now, having said that, we've had juries that, for example, convicted Paul Manafort, and you had on that jury, uh, you know, afterwards, at least one of the jurors who said, "Look, I'm a big believer in Trump, but you know, I I did an oath, and this guy's guilty." Yeah. Of course, he got pardoned by Trump, but. Uh, you know it, it's it's tricky business, and that'll be the case in all of these juries. Now, you know the best uh, thing that Trump has going for him in Florida is that Judge Cannon has decided to hold this trial in her Fort Pierce courtroom, which is in the corner of uh, Palm Beach County that is eighty percent Trump territory. Um, so there. Finding a jury pool that will include 12 honest jurors is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, But that'll come later on. Fulton County, Georgia, we may see the same thing, even in New York with Alvin Bragg, which is a, a, a weaker or trickier case. But we're going to see trials, I think at least two, that will take place before the election. And if Trump gets off Because one juror basically says in the aftermath of it, hey, I don't care what he did. He was the president, and he believed it, and he was my president, and I'm fine with that. Exactly. That that for the key blocks of voters, the independent voters, the Republicans who don't like Trump or who don't trust Trump, uh, that'll be very powerful stuff. So this will have an election uh, impact. Um, now, you know, that uh, New York Times Siena poll was a uh, one that gave everybody a jolt because it showed that in spite of everything that we've seen, a man who has been convicted of sexual assault in a civil trial uh, by a jury that included a couple of people who were sympathetic to his viewpoint going in, what will be four criminal indictments, what we know of his behavior, that right now we have a survey, even taking into account the shakiness of surveys, that shows that he is pretty much even with Biden. And if he is even with Biden in a a popular vote, he wins the Electoral College. So. This country, you know, leaves you bewildered that that a man who is unfit for office, who could destroy this country, is very possibly in a position where he could win re-election, win election again, and then we're headed down a, a dark, dark path. So uh, we're not out of the yeah. woods. Yeah, no, I, that's with, what I'm. I'm glad you painted this. that
2: picture. We're not out of the woods. There's, there's, which is why I, I'm stuck in like, you know, unfortunately, I've watched enough uh, Law and Order and been with enough White House counsel to kind of understand the problematic issue with juries, which is why every prosecutor will tell you we try not to go to a jury, right? So this, but this is clear. It's gonna, it's well, anyway. I actually, nothing's clear to me, which is gonna take me now to my next. Special surprise segment for you, Norm. If you could sit down and had like an you know an unfiltered way to interview Jack Smith, what are some essential questions that you would ask him? Like, and and let's forego you know obviously he's not going to disclose things that um, are are confidential or that would be material that have not been disclosed to to the defense, et cetera. But what are what are some things that you would be interested in knowing? And they can be anywhere from as trivial to did you really, really want to take this role? <laughs> and have you like, did you, did you reconsider taking this role? Because when I saw him being, I think you and I talked about just how interesting he was as a, cho- a choice. Um, and I, the whole time, I can't help it, but my maternal instinct was kicking in. I'm like, does he have kids? Does he have like family? Because wow, this guy is signing up for something that I don't, I don't frankly know. Even with my commitment to public service, that if I would sign up for. So uh, you can ask any level of questions. Mine would be, hey, did you really, really want to do this? (laughs) Or did you kind of go, oh, no, I didn't mean to. But what questions would you ask Jack Smith?
1: Um, The questions I would like to see answered um, are first, who turned on Trump? Who have you got? Tell me about Mark Meadows. I want to know what Mark Meadows said. And then I, uh, there's another, uh, just as an aside here, I don't know if you've seen this, but we have some of the court filings from a woman who has filed a suit against Rudy Giuliani, a former assistant who was hired and promised a salary of a million dollars a year and all kinds of other perks as part of his uh, uh, law practice and uh, consulting practice, but then was told that the money would have to be deferred because he was in the midst of a, an acrimonious divorce. And it turns out that he hired her and built her out of all the money because he wanted to have sex with her. And in the, she has tapes. She has audio tapes. She has all kinds of other evidence from him, and it portrays something that is so disgusting in behavior by somebody who, by the way, was drinking heavily day and night, popping Viagra, forcing her to perform oral sex on him while he was on the phone with donald trump and bernie carrick and all kinds oh, of other uh, you, you reminded figures. me all
2: of this and it's disgusting i can't yeah. even i can't even it is
1: disgusting and it isn't just an allegation and it's she's a, and, got and
2: this is what tapes. we know of right this is i mean yeah but, but just to be clear this is that like you know that image of the iceberg poking out of the the ocean there like this yeah. is just a tip it's it's i mean you know that right norm like this is not to call this outlier behavior is actually just kind of sanctioning this in some way, like, or is just saying that this is off in a corner and it doesn't get done. A hundred percent, this is the toxicity of the culture and the persons. And so, sorry, yes, I agree. No, it's disgusting. But
1: anyhow, I think, you know, we know that Rudy Giuliani is one of the unindicted co-conspirators. Um, we know he is very likely to be indicted soon. I'd love to hear from Jack Smith uh, the conversations that he might have had with uh, Rudy Giuliani or that his people have had with uh, Rudy Giuliani. Um, I, I would love to know more about what went on in the Willard Hotel. There are all kinds of things behind the scenes that are a part of these indictments. I think your question is a very good one uh, about whether he wanted to do this, Um I I would also just love to chat with him about the strategy, the strategy of uh, filing the case involving the uh, stolen documents, the classified materials, why file it in Florida Um, and why not, for example, since we know that at least some of this was in New Jersey, file it in New Jersey. I'd like to know whether there's still the possibility, especially if Judge Cannon Um, really acts as Trump's lawyer in this case down in Florida, whether he can file some additional charges in New Jersey. I'd like to know whether, since we had this uh, well-publicized search uh, under a search warrant of Mar-a-Lago, I'd like to know if there were searches at Trump Tower, at Bedminster that we don't know about. There's a lot of stuff out there that I suspect we will find out years from now when people write books. Um, but uh,
2: what, what um, I, you bring up another question that I would tack onto that because I'm, I'm wondering, you know, obviously this was an effort to go after like the top of the food chain, the big fish, the instigator, if you will, the ringleader and the instigator, the Godfather of it all. Uh, and you would you asked about Mark Meadows, you know, will you know all these players, right? All these players in concentric circles. Will there ever be? You and I now know because it was brought forth on January sixth committee. Um, you and I now know of like this incredible web of, of of actors and players from finance to Fox News to the media. I mean, some of this has been able to take down some of those media hosts, but. Is that something that, not maybe Jack Smith, but is there a universe where what they do is they have this collective body of evidence? Jack Smith is using this kind of, I'll call it, the preponderance of this evidence, which brings forward what he hopes is an airtight case. But then there's all this other stuff. And then all these other people, maybe some of them get special immunity, because you're right, who Mark Meadows, somebody, somebody agreed to work with the prosecution. But is there a universe where we will see other than this ring rings of justice. And it might not be Jack's purview because that's not his job, but does that ever happen? Norm, will we see anything kind of beyond what we've already seen with kind of prosecutions against some of the, um, you know, proud boys, January six kind of uh, uh, prosecutions, indictments and charges to date, or is this it?
1: No, I think we're going to see some of those uh, additional figures, John Eastman, I expect, not in this particular case, Cleta Mitchell, um, some of whom will be brought to the bar of justice. My greatest uh, fear here, and, I, and it's more than a fear, um, uh, but I am anguished over what is a uh, reality, which is the members of Congress who were knee-deep in creating and promoting the insurrection Andy Biggs, uh, Scott Perry, um, Ron Johnson, uh, among them, the conversations that Mike Lee had on the floor of the Senate, that none of the people in Congress will be charged with anything. And there are plenty of them. Um, We know that there were some who were directly involved in the planning uh, uh, of this. Uh, They've been called out, uh, by, uh, some of the other planners, Ali Alexander. Um, and I think for a variety of reasons, including the reluctance of an executive branch, uh, to bring charges against members of Congress, um, that, and that would be explosive, especially given the close margins in, uh, in, uh, the House and Senate. Um, but that if these people get away with it, that is a tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy and a travesty, but I fear that that's going to happen.
2: That's what I, I'm on a somber note. That's that's what I fear is going to happen too. And I and listen, like I'm all for like you know, just like in any disease, you get the kind of or with cancer, right? You get the origin. I I think that's what we're trying to do. But it really would be a shame if that happens. And and so, okay. In closing, now we're gonna. Um, I don't want to pivot. We're not pivoting. But I want to kind of put us into a little bit of you're running a debate camp. I'm excited to kind of see the award winners. Uh, I couldn't help but notice, because of my desire to look for all things uh, newsworthy this week to talk about, I couldn't help but notice the announcement of the likely kind of top contenders for the Republican debate with with um, our favorite former President Trump going, eh not going to attend, maybe kind of thing. Tell me, um, you know, we, we've had a lot of movement on the Republican side that I kind of suspected, meaning I saw the, uh, what do you call DeSantis? What's your favorite? What's your lickety spittle? What's your- Ronda Fascist. Rhonda Fascist. Thank you. I got, I got to do like, I'm writing down the <laughs> glossary of Norm Ornstein. Yeah. So, um So, you know, I knew Rhonda Fascist was going to uh, do this decline. Yeah. I could not have predicted that that moron Vivek Ramaswamy, like, would, I couldn't even imagine him getting above like one percentage point, but now three now, five, now it's, it's possible. It's possible. Now I'm not crazy. You tell me <laughs> that he could end up being like, you know, the second um, kind of polling right behind way, way behind, but Trump. So we've got Ramaswamy. So here's the lineup. Here's your, de- you know, here's your, um, here's your devil's array. Ramaswamy, Scott, God bless him. D- you know, the d- fascist, burgum who I have to I'll be honest, I had to pause and be like, "Who the hell is that?" I just had to, I had to do a moment where I, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, and then you know Donald Trump was his. I think the technical like quote was may not attend, and so I, t- just for fun, while we wrap up, w- w- give me your take. What what do you what do you expect? What do you see? And has any of this surprised you? Other than me having to look up who Doug Burgum was again?
1: Yeah. Um. Ramaswamy does surprise me. Um, And I do think uh, you could be right about this in part because there is still this attraction to the outsider who hasn't been a part of politics, that this man has zero qualification or ability to serve in office and would be an absolute catastrophe. And every day he says something even more bizarre um, and completely out of touch with the realities of Uh, politics, government, uh, and he's moving in a more radical direction. Uh, We have two candidates uh, who decided to take a stand. And I think uh, in in at least one instance, Asa Hutchinson, out of genuine belief uh, with Chris Christie, it's partly belief, partly strategy, that they would be the anti-Trump, that they would say, this guy does not deserve to be anywhere near uh, public office. So we have another uh, who we haven't mentioned, Will Hurd, who said all this guy wants to do is stay out of jail and then got booed and threats and all the rest of it. Um, they're not going anywhere because we know that the Republican Party is still the party of Donald Trump, the cult of Donald Trump.
2: Mm-hmm. And Pence, so we got be, Mike Pence hanging it, out there too. Yeah, so, yeah. You
1: and know. it's interesting that Pence, who had... Tried to avoid criticizing the man who tried to get him uh, hung (laughs) at the Capitol, uh, has now taken a tougher stand on this. But uh, Pence is in the same position, I would argue, that um, Joe Lieberman was when he tried to run in 2004 as the presumed heir apparent and couldn't even make it to the first uh, contest. Uh, There's no traction for mike pence it's,
2: it's uh well just to to it, it i would love again i'll plant the seeds here norm we gotta maybe what we'll do is kind of do a recap the debate is set for like what august 20 something um maybe what we can do is that then you'll have your debate camp winners maybe we can have them do an analysis so <laughs> i think that would be fun but i i i yeah i i gotta be honest It just Nothing gives me like, you know, we talk about the Democratic lineup, not having much there in terms of a deeper bench. I, f- I mean, the Republican bench is, you know, non-existent. Well, I'm going to, I know, I know that we could go on and on, but I'd like to, I'd like to end on the humorous note so that we can uh, look forward to next time. So I want to, I want to thank you, Norm, for being a willing, um, not a co-host today, but the interviewee of, of choice for much of our public in giving us the straight, kind of a scoop on how to think of this. And I want to thank everyone else for joining us, members included, and please help us to... Send this to your friends who might be confused about what's been happening with not just the indictments, but the state of democracy, because that's actually what's at stake here. And if you like any of these episodes, maybe encourage yourself or your household to become a member. And I want to thank our incredible executive producer, Chris Cotnoir, and our favorite Words Matter producer, Riley Fessler. And our next episode of Words Matter will be in your feeds around August 10th. Thank you so much.